Good morning. So, yeah, we're, uh, you, you know, I was thinking about it between services. We're, we're really, we're so desperate for God. You know, there's, there's, uh, I remember my pastor, uh, well, he's, he's the, the great grandfather of this church. And he always used to say, you know, there's nothing that we can do to make the presence of God visit us. He said, but there are things we can do to hinder it. And that's one of the things we're trying to eliminate all these things. And so in this new series, uh, I, I started thinking about, you know, studies have shown that the average American actually does pray. They say that probably uh, 79% of all people actually do pray. I don't know who they pray to or what they pray about, but they claim that, they're, that they do pray. However, only 2% actually pray out loud or with someone else. And, you know, I think there's a lot of mystery around prayer. And one of the goals that we have in this particular series is, first of all, to eliminate any condemnation or any shame that's associated with it. You know, a lot of times when people hear, we're going to talk about prayer, they're like, I don't pray enough. I definitely don't pray enough. I don't know anyone that actually does pray enough. You know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, which means to, to have that attitude of prayer. But one of the things that we kind of want to do in this series is, is demystify prayer and make it very practical. And it, obviously it is mysterious and it is a spiritual thing, but we want to really make it palatable and make it a part of our lifestyle and make it something where we actually can see the power of God moving in our lives. Isn't that what you guys want? I, I'm assuming you do because you're here. So I'm assuming you don't want to just, you know, just waste a couple of hours on a Sunday morning when it's, is it nice outside? Is it? Anyway, <laughs> I'll get out there later. The other thing that I was really sensing, and, and as I mentioned, or as Ira mentioned, so the beginning of the year, I started to have this sense that the Lord was saying he wanted us, the adventure church, the adventure family, he wanted us to begin to contend for his presence through prayer, to contend for the manifest presence of the Lord. And, and we're going to talk about the difference between omnipresence and the manifest presence of the Lord. And we're going to talk about a couple of the prayers in the Bible. But I want to say, this is an overwhelming, overwhelming subject. We could talk about this literally until Jesus comes back and we'd probably never, still never figure out all of the different prisms. But this is going to be something that, that we're going to try to work into our daily lives and into our hearts and make it something that becomes a lifestyle, a lifestyle of prayer, um, practical transformation through God. Today, uh, the message is called First Things First. There is a guy called Stephen Covey, and one of the things that he says, and I love this and I quote this a lot, first things first, second things never. So first things first, second things never. You know those days when you're so scattered and your to-do list is this long and you, you have all these things you're trying to figure out how to do them. The, the importance of prioritizing can really make a difference in our efficiency and in the, the amount of things that we can get done and the importance in which we, we make that decision and make those choices. So this, this morning we're going to talk about first things first and second things never. Um, First of all, I want to talk about why, why contend? Why do we need to contend? I mean, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that God is everywhere? Yes? 
As a matter of fact, it does say that. The, the, the uh, spiritual word for it is omnipresence, that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. As a matter of fact, it says in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your, your hand shall lead me, <clears throat> excuse me, and your right hand shall hold me. So it's basically saying God is everywhere. So why is it then that we don't feel that way? And of course, we don't walk by our feelings because our feelings can deceive us. Anybody ever been deceived by something you felt? <laughs> you feel like someone's mad at you and then you find out that, you know, their dog died or, you know, there's some other reason or you, or you feel like you're going to get fired only to find out that they're planning a surprise party for you at work or something. <laughs> you know, there's, our feelings can really deceive us. But on the other hand, isn't it important for us as we are walking this life of faith and not really being able to see God in a physical way to know that he's with us? So that, we're, that we don't feel like we're just blowing smoke or we're just you know, praying into the air, but that we're actually connecting with the spirit of the living God. And that's why today I wanna talk about the first things first, um, before we get to that, uh, there's a dictionary in the, in, uh, that you can Google, actually, or you can buy it. It's like this big. It's, it's huge. It's called the Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Noah Webster was a really solid man of God. He was a Christian. And so he, he puts uh, little Bible verses in between all of his definitions, which I find really cool. Um, what he says for the word contend... To contend means to strive, to strive against, to struggle in opposition. Number two, to strive, to use earnest efforts to obtain or to defend and pr preserve. Number three, to dispute earnestly, to strive in debate. Number four, to reprove sharply or chide, to strive to convince and reclaim. And number five, to strive in opposition or to punish. We're not going to be talking about punishing, but some of these other ones are really talking about exactly what it is that we have to do in this crazy, hectic, chaotic world that is full of pain and full of trials and full of sorrow that we can actually sense and, and know the presence of the living God. And that's what, we're, that's what we're, we're working toward. That's our goal. Not that he's withholding himself from us, but there are other things that do get in our way. Um, if you have a Bible here, if you wouldn't mind turning uh, to Matthew chapter six, we're gonna start with verse 31. <clears throat> and now um, Jesus has been addressing all of these things that they're, they're concerned about. Essentially, it's about their provision. I think some of it can have to do with their purpose or their plans or, or knowing what direction their lives are going. But for the most part, it's about their material possessions and um, provision. And so Jesus says, why do we worry about these things? 
saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Now get this, I want you to get this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These are the things that dominate the thoughts of those who don't believe in a God who says that he will stretch out his hand and provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. This is, this is for people who don't believe that, that the, the Bible says that the eyes of all wait upon you and you give them what they need in due season. I mean, these are the things, these are the promises that we have from the Bible that God is promising these things to us. But the things about how do you provide, how am I going to make my mortgage payment, um, how much money am I going to earn uh, in my retirement, or am I going to get a raise, or am I going to get fired, or, you know, all of these things, or, or what, what, what are we going to eat, how are we going to have enough money to eat, or, or what are we going to wear, I don't know, I, I, the kids are starting school and I don't have an, enough money for them, or, you know, whatever it happens to be, these things dominate the minds of unbelievers, and Jesus is saying, but your heavenly father already knows you have these needs. He knows all of your needs. He's saying, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is the first thing first. Seeking the will of God. And, and when it says live righteously, it's not saying, it, this isn't like this pious word. Righteously just means the right way, the way that would lead to life, essentially. You know, it says in the Bible that, that I set before you life and death, and I say, choose life. And that's what the Lord is saying here. Seek the things that are important to God. Like Randy said, he's been praying, God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Give me your mind. Let me think about the things that you think about. Let me think about the things that are important to you. Let me set my, uh, my mind on eternity. Let, my fix, let me fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so when, G, when, uh, when Jesus says here, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but, but, this is a really significant word. He's saying they think about all these things, but you, on the other hand, you don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to stress out about your provision. You don't have to stress out about finances. As a matter of fact, he's saying just the opposite. He's saying, seek the kingdom of God first. You getting this? Because to me, this is like, I've read this scripture a million times. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I've read this scripture a lot of times, but this is saying Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live rightly, live righteously, live according to what God says. And it says, and he'll give you everything you need. Are some of you struggling to believe this today? I know that sometimes it seems like the evidence is contrary to that. You know, you're, you're going about your life and you're like, I can't even make my, my rent this month. Or I've been unemployed for five months. I'm not seeing this. Can we take a, a, a couple of minutes right now and just pray for each other? And can I ask you to be bold? If, if, if this is you, if you're struggling with this, and, and I'm not trying to embarrass anyone or humiliate anyone, but if, you, if you're struggling right now with the concept of provision, would you just slip your hand up and would the people around them just, we can stand up and 
move around, but if you would just lay hands on those people. So can we all stand up? And if this is you and, and you just need prayer, maybe you need the prayer of faith, you need, you need to believe, but if, if you're struggling right now, could you just lift your hand up and have the people around you just come and pray for you? Don't be embarrassed, it's okay. Well, Lord, we, we thank you that, Lord, your word says that you know everything we need even before we ask. Lord, whether that's financial, whether it's um, material, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, relational, whatever it is, health. Lord, you know all the things we need even before we ask. And Lord, we just together, we pray for these. Lord, we pray for these who, who have said that, they're, that they're, they're struggling right now. And we just want to thank you, Lord, that your word says that we can cast our cares on you. Lord, you care for us. Lord, and your word says we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, Lord, we pray for these. We ask, God, that you would demonstrate your faithfulness. Fill their hearts with hope. Fill them, Lord, with the hope that you are a good and gracious and faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus says here, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Okay, so now going back to what we were saying earlier about the, the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Again, there are certain things that, that we can do that can prevent us from sensing the spirit of the Lord, from sensing his nearness. And, and there are three things in particular. There's sin, either our sin, and, and again, sin just means falling short of perfection, falling short of what God has called us to do. You know, just not living rightly. I mean, there's obviously, in, in our minds, we have all kinds of different degrees of what sin is. But the fact is that all have sinned. The Bible says everybody's sinned. Everybody's fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. And, and it tends to be, for some people, more of a lifestyle. But for other people, it's just, we just do. In our own humanity, we've, we sin. And yet, I just love how easy God makes it. It wasn't easy for Jesus because Jesus suffered, but he makes the path so easy for us back to reconciliation with him, back to that place of forgiveness and just walking in truth and walking with him and actually sensing his nearness. He says, if we confess, and I, I wanna say this, I know, I, I know some people debate whether you can just confess it directly to the Father in heaven, or whether you need to confess it to another human being. You know, sometimes there's a debate about that. I, I just wanna say, I think there is a certain power that comes in confessing to another person, that when we bring it out into the light, that the power is broken, the power of that sin. Uh, this week I, I had someone confess something to me and I could just see um, she was struggling against her own shame. She was, so, she was so disgusted with her own sin. And I could just see she was, she was just not wanting to confess to me. 
And um, she, she eventually ended up opening up and confessing it to me. And, and it was like, you know, you could just watch the weights fall from her shoulders. You could just see that once she got that out into the light, that it was like she was just free. And so I think, you know, whether, I mean, of course we always can confess things to the Father in heaven, but if you don't have someone in your life right now that you can confess to, I just encourage you, try to find somebody like that, somebody that you trust, obviously. And um, (laughs) I heard this guy on the radio, he was talking about, he said that he wanted to find a friend that he could tell every single thing he had ever done in his entire life the most vile, the most embarrassing, the most humiliating, the most um, degrading things that he could possibly confess. So he found a friend and he said that they went out to breakfast together. And, um, and so uh, he was just confessing everything he goes. And then when I was in seventh grade, I did this and then I did this. And then in college, I did this. And, you know, and he was just confessing. He said he couldn't even look up. He just was looking down at his plate And he said that when he looked up, after he felt like he had confessed everything he could possibly confess, he looked up and his friend was leaning in and he looked at him, he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, I have never loved you more than I love you right now. And isn't that just the opposite of how we feel. We feel like if I really was honest, if I, were, if I were to be honest with these people, they would hate me. They would reject me. And yet, this friend goes, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. So the other guy goes, so then I felt like I should start making some stuff up just so he'd love me even more. <laughs> the, the, that pastor that told that story, his name is John Ortberg. And the man that he um, confessed everything to is a man named Dallas Willard. And I strongly recommend reading any of his books. Actually, there's one called Living in Christ's Presence that is so powerful. I, that, that was a, one of those really transformative books in my own life. But you know, here's the thing. We, we don't want to believe that, that God can make this way for us. And so we think that our sin prevents us. And, and th- there is that hindrance. Not that God is standing back going, get away from me, you're sick, you're disgusting. God says, Jesus says, when we confess to him, he says, my love for you hasn't changed. I still love you with an everlasting love. I'm still drawing you with my loving kindness. My grace is sufficient for you. See, this is what Jesus is saying. And that is when the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence, that sense that God is near. Do you sense it right now? God is near. And he's saying, you know what? Even if your sins were as scarlet, I have washed them white as snow, whiter than snow. That's what he's saying. 
Don't let your own sin or the sin that someone else has committed against you be the thing that keeps you from sensing his presence. Don't let resentment and bitterness be that thing that that keeps you from sensing that he is pouring out his love on you. Another hindrance that we have is just our flesh. It's not necessarily sin. By the way, uh, James 4 defines sin as whatever you know to be right, and if you don't do it, that's sin. It's pretty basic. Hello, nice to see you. Sin, our flesh, just laziness sometimes, apathy, distraction, you know, it just, you get so busy, you get so caught up in everything that you kind of forget that the Lord is near. And also then the, the devil, because the devil definitely does not want you to sense the presence of the Lord. It's sin, the flesh, and the devil. <clears throat> so talking about God's presence, you know, there's a, there's a prayer that for, for any of you who've been a Christian for any length of time, you know the, the prayer in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and we are going to discuss that in a minute, but um, before that... They're dedicating the temple. Solomon has built this temple. And starting in, verse, or in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down, and here it is for the third time, the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. We are now the temple of the living God. And the glorious presence of the Lord wants to fill our temples Not that he's not everywhere at all times, but he wants us to know it. He wants us to be aware that we are living and dwelling. That was his desire. That's why Jesus came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us, to live with us so that we can know that we're not alone, so that we can know that there's hope, that we can know that there's a purpose for our lives. This is why Jesus came to earth. And it's saying here, it says, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and they worshiped and they praised God. And And this is what it led them to, to say this, he is good. Can you say that? His faithful love endures forever. Can you say that? Amen. That is what what the Lord has called us to, is to see that he is good, to see that his faithfulness and his love are everlasting. And that when we pray, and here's here's how they prayed after they dedicated this temple, starting in verse 14. And if you've heard this before, and you probably have if you've been a Christian for any length of time, please hear it as though for the first time. This is the living, breathing word of God. This is living and active. This can change our lives. And it says here, if my people, if, first point, if, 
We are called to pray, and if we do, this is what happens. It says, if my people who are called by my name, so my people, Jesus is saying, if my people, those I have called by name, those I have purposed to live and dwell with me, if they, if they are called by my name, if they will humble themselves. Now this is the place where I got stuck this week. You know, I think Randy said that, you know, let God wreck us. That's what God's been doing in me. He's been wrecking me in a good way, but in a painful way, just bringing me to a point of just deep, deep, deep humility. And you know, Ravi Zacharias says that, that you know, either, either we'll humble ourselves or God will humble us. He's saying either, either in any kind of discipline, either you, you pay the price beforehand or you'll pay the price afterwards. And the Lord is saying, as we humble ourselves, that is the first thing that we do, even before we pray, humble ourselves. Say, God, you're in heaven and I'm here on earth. It says, if we humble ourselves and pray, to just do it. There was a powerful woman. Uh, I went to a ladies' retreat when I had first become a Christian. Her name was Marie Trimble. And she said, when she first became a Christian, she didn't know how to pray. She had no idea how to pray. And so she said, finally, this one time, she said, you know what? I'm just going to set a chair in front of me, and I'm just going to sit down, and I'm just going to start telling Jesus my life story. And she said she sat down, and she had this chair with, you know, imagining Jesus sitting in it. And she said, Hi, Jesus. My name is Marie Trimble. And she said she just got blasted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like she said she couldn't even go on. She just sat there in his presence, mesmerized. And that every day after that, she just would go in, set this chair up, and just start telling Jesus her life story. Maybe that's where some of us need to start. Just tell him your life story. Just pour out your heart. Make it just really practical. You can tell your own story. He, he already knows it, but as we lay it down before him, he wants to come in with his healing and with his manifest presence. So it's saying, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, like we talked about in Matthew 6, seeking the kingdom, seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Here are the promises. He says, I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. There's some of us that we need our land restored. We need our feet planted firmly on some solid ground. We've been through some rocky times, some tumultuous times, and the Lord is saying, I want you to, to plant your feet on a, a restored land, a land that I'm going to bring to you. And it says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. That is the promise of God. It even says in the Psalms, his ears are attentive to the cry of the righteous. Again, we're righteous because of what Jesus did. And so we're contending, we're humbling ourselves. We're praying, we're seeking his face, seeking his will, seeking it through the Bible. And we're turning from our wicked ways. And then his presence will come and rest with us. It says he will hear us, he will forgive our sins. And not only does he forgive, but as it says in 1 John, he will forgive us and cleanse us. 
He will set us free. He will break those chains that we sang about earlier and he will restore our land. In Matthew 6, 5, he says, when you pray, this is Jesus, when you pray. Now earlier he says, if you do these things, then here are the promises. Now Jesus is saying, now that you know that, I'm assuming you're going to pray. And he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you. I think that's also symbolic of shut out all of the noises, shut out all the sounds. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then your father who sees everything will reward you. We just pray, we sang that song, I believe in you, I believe in you. You're a God of miracles. You know, the Bible says that we must first of all believe that he exists, but also that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I just believe, Adventure Family, this is what the Lord's calling us to, a deeper level of sensing his presence, being in the middle of a traffic jam, sensing that peace that transcends understanding or being at work and all the noise and the chaos and sensing that the Prince of Peace is dwelling with you or being on your bed at night, maybe worrying about your finances and recognizing that the God of all grace is with you and he wants to dwell with you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon is called the Prince of, of Preachers. I love this. He says, true prayer is measured by weight and not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer than a fine oration of great length. And you know, in Romans 8, when it talks about that, where you're just crying out and you're just, you don't have the words. Just like, oh God, oh God, I need you. That prayer packs a lot more punch than if you go on and on and on and on and on and your heart's not even in it. He's saying, come to me, pour out your heart, humble yourself and just pray, seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways and I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin and I'll restore your land. I'll heal your land. Can we just get on our knees right now and humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God? If you're physically able, if you're not, that's okay. But can we just, can we just do this together and invite the presence, the manifest presence to come in and to to provide whatever your needs happen to be, whether it's you need hope, you need comfort, you need joy, you need freedom, whatever it is, we're gonna cry out, and Lord, we do. Oh God, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. Lord, we come to you and we declare our absolute, complete, utter dependence on you. 
Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. We do believe in you. We do believe you are a God of miracles. And right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we just lay our request before you, Lord. God, I believe you are a God of miracles. I believe you are a God who hears our prayers. And so, Lord, right now, we just, we lay our requests at your feet. And we thank you, Lord, that you are good and that your faithful love endures forever. We thank you that you hear us from heaven, Lord, and that you are going to restore us. You are going to heal us and deliver us and set us free. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name.